1: Said you return that I might
2: live in my father. Is there an old and a new to your life? Such was the case with Peter. Well, there should be. Have you definitely invited Jesus into your heart? as your personal Lord and Savior, your Savior from sin. And anger is nothing more important than making that decision. Are you that new creation in Christ, where all things have become new, all things
0: have passed away? Second Corinthians chapter five and verse 17, Paul tells us exactly that. Oh one, part one, only part. While Christ offers salvation freely, accepting his invitation to be his follower comes at a cost and it's a pretty steep price tag. He asks you to give all of yourself. The rewards are beyond anything that we can imagine, but it requires letting go of the temporary things we hold dear in this life. As Pastor Michael explained in today's message, Scripture calls this dying to yourself. You put your own desires and comforts to death, allowing Christ to replace them with His purpose. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 as he begins his message, redemption.
2: As always, we're so thankful, we're so glad that you've chosen uh, to be with us, and we trust in that God will have an encouraging word for each and every uh, one of you. So once again, uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And the title of this series is Living Faithfully. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. That's the subject that we're going to be addressing uh, over the next couple of months, actually, on the subject of living uh, faithfully, that is, living faithfully for uh, the Lord here in the book of 2 uh, Peter. So why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles, we'll get right to it. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Uh, the title is Redemption. So we're going to be talking about the subject of redemption, the effect that it has upon a, a believer. Okay, so let's go ahead and read that text, and then we'll open up in a word of prayer. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Simon Peter, a bond servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Let's begin in that word of prayer. Father, we pray now that you bless our time together. Father, we just consecrate our time, this new series, uh, Lord, uh, to you. Father, that uh, you would just use it to work your perfect work within each and every one of our lives, and I pray that it would lend itself to our living faithfully, living courageously uh, for your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, it's to that end we pray. Bless now. God, as always, let my words be your words, for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, once again, the title is Redemption. Okay, so first, let's begin by sharing a little bit of background concerning this epistle. Peter, who is the writer of this epistle, wrote it approximately in the year of 68 or 69 A.D. In fact, it was a year after he had written his first epistle. And like his first letter, it was addressed to and written to Jewish Christians who were scattered throughout Asia as the result of persecution. We talked about that persecution uh, in our last series of uh, studies in 1 Peter but not only to Jewish Christians alone. Notice there in verse 1, go back to our text, he addresses those to them that have obtained like precious faith. So therefore, we include all believers, recognized not because of their geographical location or their nationality, but rather because of their spiritual experience, being born again of the Spirit of God. Now, Why did I choose this particular book of the Bible? Well, because of its relevancy and theme. Again, the theme, living faithfully for Christ. And as we go through this book of the Bible, we'll discover that it addresses many of the same issues, problems, and challenges that the church faces uh, today. So that's the reason why I chose this particular book of the Bible. You see, the circumstances had changed, Since Peter had written his first epistle, instead of enemies without attacking the church, that would have been the government in the world, remember we talked about that in our previous studies, here they seem to be within the church. And what were those enemies of the church? Well, false teachers, false doctrine, inconsistent and impure living. So as we go through this letter, we'll see how that Peter addresses all of these Uh, enemies and errors that had been going on within the church. You see, there was defection from the truth of God on every side, and only a few practiced personal holiness, that is those who had taken the name of Christ. So consistency is what was needed, and thus from the hand of one Peter, who at one time was very inconsistent, extremely inconsistent, failed to live faithfully, who had now become wonderfully faithful. We have a source of challenge, conviction, and consolation here through this epistle. Let me give you a cross-reference. In the book of Romans, in chapter 15, and verse 4. Now, this doesn't only apply to the book of 1 Peter, but all of those scriptures, everything that was written, Old and New Testament alike, Paul tells us in the book of Romans, in chapter 15, in verse 4, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So, anyway, a passionate letter, first, uh, second Peter, written to prevent us from falling into certain traps of the enemy that we might follow the Lord in a life of holiness and obedience. So anyway, that's some of the background, the reasons why it was uh, written by Peter. Now let's go back to our text. Let's break this down for you. There's only two verses, but there's a lot to discover. Take a look at the first part of verse 1. Notice the way that Peter is recommended to us here in his letter. Simon Peter a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And that's a testimony to the work of salvation within the life of a, a believer. You see, that's what this is what redemption is all about a marvelous transformation. And, and Peter uh, knew this by experience. He went through that marvelous uh, transformation in his own life. You see, Peter is now no longer that faltering follower who we were first introduced to uh, in the Gospels, who had at one time denied the Lord years before. This once careless, impetuous fisherman had been delivered from pride and selfishness by the redeeming blood of Christ. And listen, that's what makes this all possible. That is redemption. It's the redemption of Jesus Christ that enables us to be transformed into the people that God wants us to uh, become. In Peter's first epistle, he expresses the great fact of redemption by blood as a truth that must never be forgotten. In fact, let's go back and rehearse that one more uh, time. In 1 Peter chapter uh, 1, in verses 18 and 19, Peter tells us there, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct, received by tradition from your fathers, but rather with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without a spot. So that redemption, that work of Christ's redemption, has transformed us into the people that God wants us to uh, become. Oh, how we need to get this message out to today's needy world, a world that's filled with confusion and turmoil, a world that is bogged down by sin. Jesus, our sin bearer, our substitute, who died on the cross in our place, making redemption possible for all who believe on him. Redemption from sin and judgment. Let me give you a cross reference. Titus puts it this way. Well, uh, Paul writing to Titus in chapter two and verse 14. Jesus, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purifying for himself our special people, a special people zealous for good works. Now, even the name of Simon uh, Peter proclaims the message of God's glorious redemptive work. The double aspect of that name recalls the twofold aspect of Peter's life, before and after redemption. Think about that. Simon was the name given to him at birth. Peter was the name given to him at his rebirth by Jesus. Jesus gave him a new name. What was that new name? Peter, which translated literally means rock. Jesus said, Peter, thou art the rock. So you see, he was a new creature in Christ. No longer was he to be known as unstable, undependable Simon, now that rock like nature and character that distinguished God's servant. Gang, before our conversion experience, think about this, this is true of all of us, in God's sight, we were degenerate, we were sinful, we were vile, but after our conversion experience, through the redemption of Jesus Christ and the indwelling Spirit of God, we are enabled to live wholly, justly, and righteously. You know, in my opinion, I believe Peter is reminiscing here in this section of uh, his epistle. He knew his time was short. In fact, go, jump ahead here in chapter 1 to verse 14. And notice he says, Knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, referring to his own body. In other words, somehow God had revealed to him that soon he was going to take him home, just as our Lord Jesus Christ, notice, showed uh, me. So I believe that uh, Peter is actually reminiscing uh, here in this section of his epistle. Why? Because he knew that his time was short. And so reflecting now, looking back uh, on his own personal experience, his own walk with the Lord, that process of redemption, that Uh, Effect that it had upon him, he was thankful for what God had done in and through his life. And thus he was wanting to pass this experience along to us. And thus we have the reason why, at least in part, why he wrote this epistle. And yes, his metamorphosis didn't happen overnight, but as he grew older and older in the faith, more and more he was conformed into the image of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the likeness of Christ. And in fact, notice his parting words. And this is his desire for all of the readers of this epistle. Notice there in the final uh, verse uh, of this epistle, it's recorded for us in chapter 3 and verse 18. Notice he says that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior of Jesus Christ. So that was his desire. Those those were his parting uh, words. Now, let me pause for a moment to ask you this question. Is there an old and a new to your life, such was the case with Peter? Well, there should be. Have you definitely invited Jesus into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, your Savior from sin? And gang, there is nothing more important than making that decision. Are you that new creation in Christ? Where all things have become new. All things have passed away. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Paul tells us exactly that. So if you are a Christian, your life should reveal your profession, and others should be able to detect it. Now let's go back to our text. Notice here in verse 1, Peter has now become a usable tool for God. Uh, and again, notice the way that uh, he refers to himself as a bondservant and an apostle. The bondservant uh, speaks of his obligation for all of what God had done within his life. He had become a servant, voluntarily had become a servant. That was his obligation. And then the reference to his apostleship was the position that had been given to him by uh, God. And isn't it amazing You know, think about that word, not only in Peter's life, but also in ours. You see, there was a time when we were servants to a sin, but now we are servants unto God, voluntarily servants unto God. He redeemed us, we're His, and thus we are to live for uh, Him, even as Peter did. It's all about God working in us and through us. Notice in the latter part of verse 1, We are told to those who have obtained life precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, the message of redemption is purely of God's grace. None of us could do anything to obtain this position ourselves, our salvation. Remember, Paul reminds us of this in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 2, and verse 8. There we are told, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and not not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So, it's only received by believing on Christ. That word obtained here, notice, go back to verse 1, that word obtained here, the idea is to receive by divine lot or bestowment. It's all in the grace of God. And also, notice, I love this description of faith. Peter refers to it as precious faith. Now, why was that? Well, I mean, think about what faith accomplishes in the life of a believer. For example, it's through faith we become children of God. In the book of Galatians, in chapter 3, in verse 26, it says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Listen, there's no other way to come to the Lord. In fact, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, in verse 6, there we are told without faith it's impossible to please God. It's through faith we enjoy all the promises of God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 5, in verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. All of the promises that we receive is through the operation of faith. Gang, every facet of Christian living and experience depends upon faith. So, therefore, no wonder Peter declares it to be a precious faith. And notice also there in verse 1, it can only be received through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then in verse 2, let's go back to our text now. Notice, grace and peace be multiplied uh, to you. Grace and peace, which are uh, which are known as the Siamese twins. You've often uh, heard me refer uh, to that to them in this way. Uh, this is the way that uh, Paul himself actually began uh, many of his epistles. That was the various salutations. Uh, the Greek greeting would have been uh, grace, and the Jewish greeting would have been peace or shalom, and so. This Notice here, this grace and peace, according to our text there in verse 2, is acquired, how? Through knowledge. And where do we receive that knowledge? Through the Word of God, through the Scriptures, yielding ourselves daily to His full and complete control, as we are instructed to do through the Scriptures, staying close to Him at all times. As we learn more and more about him, we increase our measure of grace and peace. Again, there's no other way, but it's through the person of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In the book of Colossians, in chapter 2, in verses 3, and then verses 9 and 10, in whom Jesus, in context, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom, and knowledge. Notice this is the way that we acquire this wisdom and knowledge. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. You know, someone said, it is quite certain that if we do not grow in grace, we shall grow in disgrace. And it's true. But the child of God, who meets the requirements for growth as set forth in the scriptures, need not fear backsliding. You know, there's this story that Billy Sunday, the great evangelist, and by the way, I don't know if you knew this or not, Billy Sunday also used to be a professional baseball player. In fact, he used to play for, one of the teams that he played for was the Philadelphia uh, Phillies. I don't know if you knew this, right around the turn of the century. Uh, but I guess that gave him a platform to Uh, to share uh, the Word, and he was a great evangelist right at the beginning of the uh, 19th uh, century. Well, anyway, he he used to tell this story when he was a young Christian. An old minister said to him, William, if you will do these three things every day of your life, they will never write backslider after your name. What were those three things? Spend 15 minutes a day letting God Talk to you through the Bible, 15 minutes a day talking to God in prayer, and 15 minutes a day talking to someone else about God. Well, Billy Sunday determined to do that, and Backslider was never written after his name. And so, listen, if you are one of the Lord's redeemed ones, and I hope you are, having believed on the Lord, you can rejoice with us in, as Peter refers to it, a life, precious faith. But if you're uncertain, well, listen, all you need to do is examine yourself whether you be in the faith. We're instructed to do that by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. And what is the test? Well, simply ask yourself the question, what have you done with Jesus Christ? And the way that you answer that question is the difference between life and death, joy and sorrow. So listen, gang, it is it is my uh, burden for you that you make that choice and make it today. Invite him to come into your heart right now. Let me close out. Uh, let me lead you in a word of prayer. So uh, pray with me. Father, we thank you, Lord, for these exhortations. Uh, Father, we thank you for uh, the beginnings of the studies of this new epistle here in Second Peter. God, I pray that you continue to bless it. Lord, that you would instruct us uh, through it. Father, we're so grateful and, and thankful for all that you uh, do and continue to do within our, our lives. And Lord, we thank you for that precious faith that we've obtained through uh, believing uh, in your Son, Jesus Christ, and therefore are able to obtain all of these wonderful promises uh, throughout your uh, Word. And God, I pray for any that have joined us this evening that have never made that decision, who are unsure about uh, their position uh, with you. Father, we pray that you put that faith within their heart and help them to make that choice and decision right now. Lord, do all of these things. Bless now. But we ask it in the name of Jesus.
1: In my Father. There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I
0: long to be You've been listening to In My Father's House, a ministry of Harvest Christian Fellowship with Pastor Mike Penezio. Thanks for tuning in. Throughout the book of 2 Peter, there are two obvious themes, maturity and growth. As difficult as those two things can be, They're necessary as a believer in Jesus. After all, they're stepping stones to holy living. What is holy living? It's setting yourself apart from all that is worldly and living into all that is pure and good. Jesus knew this wouldn't be easy on your own, so the Holy Spirit was given to help guide you through the growing pains. If you're wrestling with growing in the ways of Jesus, you're not alone. If you're struggling to obtain maturity as a Christian, you're not alone in that either. This life isn't easy, and the world constantly throws temptations. But lean into Jesus. Cast your cares on Him and don't give up. You can do it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today to In My Father's House. You can explore more of these messages by searching for In My Father's House with Mike Fenizio on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll find directions and service times at HarvestNYC.org. If this broadcast is an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? If so, you can do this securely on our website, HarvestNYC.org. Thanks for listening today to in my father's house